0: Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast I chat with leaders from all walks of life to discuss their journey, the lessons they've learned and advice they have so that we can all level up our health, wealth and happiness. You see I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it because it's not that deep. Before I get into today's guest introduction, I have to tell you guys about the media and marketing agency I founded, Deep Digital Media. One of the ways I'm able to bring you guys valuable content every week for free is because I'm able to produce it in-house. But the only way I can keep doing this is if you help me help you. If you know any businesses or brands looking to create, manage, or promote their own video series, podcasts, online courses, or any other kind of media, please get in touch with us at connect at deepdigitalmedia.ca. This week's guest is Mark Metri, a dude who straight up makes me feel lazy. Mark went from dealing with severe social anxiety and reaching a dark point where he contemplated ending his life to overcoming that same social anxiety and writing a book called Screw Being Shy, uh, founding a company called VU Dream, hosting a global top 100 podcast called Humans 2.0, where he's talked to all kinds of billionaires, entrepreneurs, athletes. He's done tons of speaking engagements. Is on an Amazon Prime docu series called The Social Movement. And if that wasn't enough, he's also a podcast strategist. He has his own LinkedIn consulting course. And you know, this is all really just a fraction of the value Mark brings to the world. All at only age 22, which blows my mind. It was amazing getting to sit down and chat with him and pick his brain about overcoming social anxiety. And the connection between what you eat and how you feel we got pretty deep into the microbiome and uh, a bunch of different stuff about that as well as the podcasting journey i invite you to join me on this journey of leveling up by heading over to my website it's not that deep podcast.com to check out more content like this i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and just remember it's not that deep Ooh, mark Metry, welcome to the it's not that deep podcast brother Dude, Deepak, thanks so much for having me. I know we've been wanting to do this
1: for a while, man, and super excited. I, I got to uh, come on in this really interesting time and, and, you know, just try my best to spit some truth. Hopefully people can learn from this conversation and hopefully I can learn from you too. So thanks. man.
0: Oh oh man, I think it's about to be a fire conversation to give people a little bit of an introduction. You're the author of a book called screw being shy. You're the founder of you dream host of the uh, global top 100 podcast called humans 2.0. You're also a speaker, a podcast strategist. Uh, You have a LinkedIn consulting course, man. It just keeps going. You're on an Amazon Prime show. Um, I could literally just sit here for the whole duration (laughs) of this podcast and just list off all the cool shit you do. But instead of doing that, let's just dive into what you're probably most known for, which is overcoming social anxiety. Now, all, all those titles aside, man, like, you know, you know, those are like, nice like accolades and things that like people might try to put you in a box and define you as, but the way I see you. And when I see your content, I see you as somebody who, who is a voice for a lot of people who might not have one. And so Mm -hmm. I think, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, your journey, hearing it from your own words on your own podcast and other podcasts that you've been on. But like, let's kind of take it back to the beginning. You're raised in Boston. Talk to me, you know, high level. Obviously you get this question a lot, but t- tell us the story of like, man, who was Mark then and who is he now?
1: Yeah. And you know, just to, you know, go on on that, someone asked me like, I think it was a year ago, you know, how do you define yourself? Are you a podcaster? Are you uh, you know, consultant, founder, whatever. And honestly, none of those titles ring true to me. You know, I'm sure I I have them in my LinkedIn title, but that's all just like for marketing (laughs) and branding because that's how people find you. But um, the way in terms of my head, how I see myself, I view myself as as a warrior. And a warrior really when it comes to the different dimensions of life, whether that's spirituality, the mental side, the emotional side, and the physical side. And to me, a warrior is somebody who realizes that the war is within themselves. And I personally feel like today in the real world, you know, we are very much in the midst of, you know, so many different things happening, so many different crises, so many different movements. But really, I think it's evident of, you know, kind of like how, you know, World War II was fought between uh, you know, the access and the ally powers, I very much think that, you know, sort of the next battlefront is happening inside of every single person's minds all at once, all 8 billion people. And so for me, that's really like what I'm all about. And so if that comes out in a book or a podcast or whatever else I do, these are just the ways that I do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, who am I? Um, I am a son of immigrants who moved to America uh, with very little money, who were fleeing from religious persecution. Um, And, you know, I I think I had a pretty simple childhood, Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, You know, for me, like my parents were always at work. They were always hustling because they're always just trying to make ends meet. And so I definitely did not really see my dad that much growing up. But, um, you know, for me, I was the kind of kid who maybe by the time 10, 11 years old, began to experience a lot of social anxiety. And a lot of that started because, you know, I was living in Boston. I was living in kind of the inner city in the first part of my life. And as I was like in second, third grade, my parents moved out of the city into uh, like a super small town. And this small town had like 5,000 people in it. And at this time in America, this was post 9-11. And so, you know, I remember just going to school and, you know, just facing a a tremendous amount of racism. Uh, People call me uh, so many different, um, you know, insults, racist terms. And uh, the really interesting part about this too was that um, you know, I I think I was maybe about me and another family. We were about the only people who were colored or looked different from everyone else in that town, who's predominantly white. And so, yeah, I mean, I just remember being in this environment in the early part of my life that was just terrible. Um, a lot of racism, a lot of outside abuse, and I remember it just made me just get into my shell. And I literally had no friends. I was just that kid that was just walking, looking down and like in the hallways, any kind of classroom cafeteria, I would always be the kid just sitting by himself. And uh, that was basically my life for about 10 years until I grew up and I was about 18 years old where I went off to college. And that's really where, you know, I ended up kind of like falling down this rock bottom that was really prompted by all of my adolescent and childhood trauma that had just compounded on each other. And by the time I was 18, that's where I kind of really saw like the the showdown happen, so to speak. And so I remember just like being in a ton of pain using different substances and vices and ways to deal with that pain. Um, you know, for me, food was the big one. Uh, you know, I remember, uh, (laughs) When I was in college, I didn't gain the freshman 15, I gained like the freshman 70. And um, I was in this period of my life where all of a sudden I gained a lot of weight and got seriously depressed for the first time in my life. And the social anxiety that I always had throughout my entire life was, uh, was much worse. And it really transformed into social isolation. And so basically like I just got to this rock bottom in my life where I basically realized like if I keep just going the way that my brain is telling me to go in all moments throughout the day where I don't even think about what I'm doing, that is going to lead me so far down the rabbit hole that I'm literally going to become a statistic. And there was a time like at that time when I was 18 where I was suicidal and um, and yeah, I mean, it's so crazy to think back on now and, and, and how much my life has transformed. But that really, for me, was the, the rock bottom in which I was able to start building the bricks and steps for my foundation. But yeah, it definitely started with a lot of pain and, you know, wasn't able to realize these things until like probably now. You know, I'm always going through the process and, and growth and evolution.
0: That's powerful brother. Like for me as someone who myself has climbed out of a pretty dark area in my life and just like you, the university freshman 70 or whatever you called it. Same thing happened to me. Absolutely Mm. devastating to your confidence at a time when you should be flourishing. You should be socializing. You should be doing all these amazing things that, you know, you worked hard to get here and now it's, you know, so and, and, you know, those are traumatic experiences. And so, you know, compounded with the social anxiety, which I personally can't say that I I've experienced, but, uh, you know, going back to that for a second, like yeah. before we even dive into that a little bit more, like what is social anxiety? Why don't we define it a little bit? Cause I want to actually understand a little bit more about it from your perspective
1: yeah of course man this is such a i'm so glad you asked this question because you know one of the main reasons why i wrote my book screw being shy is because growing up people just labeled me as a shy quiet introvert and the reality is is that's totally different from having extreme shyness and and being socially anxious and so you know if, if you just look at like the definition of an introvert it means someone who is more introspective the way that their brain works is they focus more on ideas, feelings, emotions, thoughts, not so much the external world, generally, generally speaking. Um, And so most people who have social anxiety are introverts. However, I have met many extroverts who have social anxiety and basically social anxiety is this psychological coping mechanism that your brain enters in if you have had a traumatic experience that usually revolves something around social humiliation, ostracization, being kicked out of your group. And when you actually just look at like human evolution, you know, social anxiety is not new. Social anxiety is actually one of the most primal and ancient fears that our brain has. Well it makes sense.
0: If you're if you're threatened by the tribe, then your life is actually at risk. Like if you're literally. an outsider, you know, in our in tribal society, like that would be an actual threat to your life. I'm not saying it's not now, but you know, it was yeah. way more amplified back then. So sorry, I'll let you finish your thought. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's literally it. Yeah. And I remember you know, when Seth Godin came on my podcast and and he told me exactly what you just said. And it's extremely powerful because, you know, when you actually look at it, social anxiety is a perceived deficiency by your brain in which you feel like if you don't try super hard or if you don't, you know, somehow compensate for your perceived failures that may be real or may not be real, then people will judge, mock, uh, ridicule you. And so, you know, just to give you one example, like having social anxiety is not like being afraid to ask a girl to prom, you know? Like that's totally normal to be shy. It is totally natural and okay to be shy. However, there are people due to genetic factors, their childhood, their experience, their, their brain structure, that people have different kinds of brains. When they enter into this, some sort of a, psychologically traumatic moment that usually starts off from an early part of their life, their brain literally just ends up forming like this defense mechanism, this mentality that's like, how can I shield myself from the world so that this doesn't happen? And then, so what you do is you just stop talking. Mm. And then what happens is the real issue with social anxiety is, you know, obviously having any kind of anxiety is not the greatest. But why I personally think that social anxiety is probably one of the, the biggest issues of our world is because as humans, how we think about ourselves, how we think about our identity has so much to do with our community, has so much to do with the people that we grew up with and them giving us feedback and us just communicating and growing and developing. And when someone has social anxiety, there is a boundary between them and just general social connection. And oftentimes this is what happens is someone experiences some sort of a traumatic moment as a kid, they become socially anxious. And then what happens is that social anxiety then starts to leak into all, all of their relationships, including their parents, including their friends. And that's why you get people who, you know, commit suicide and nobody had any idea including the people around them who love them the most because they have social anxiety and their brain literally does not let them talk in general, let alone about mental health. And so one of the reasons why this is so problematic is because, you know, when you, when I was actually figuring out the idea for this book and then doing the research, you actually find out that in, at least in America, social anxiety is the most common form of an anxiety condition And out of all of the other anxiety conditions, it is the most correlated with substance abuse and social isolation, both of which increase your factors of suicide. And so you even look at, like, for example, research that's been done by the American Association of Depression and Anxiety and also addiction. And they actually said that if you're an alcoholic, if you have problems with drugs, one of the best interventions, one of the best treatments for that is actually t- treating your social anxiety. Because there are a lot of people who are alcoholics who have become so because the way that they have learned to regulate their nervous system in social environments is through a substance, a drug, alcohol. And a lot of those people have social anxiety. And so when I began to like connect the dots for... Um, for, you know, really a lot of the stuff between, you know, suicide and, and, and substance abuse and social isolation and, and like what I went through, I was like, oh my God, you know, there's 850,000 people every single year that commit suicide. And, you know, when you just think about that in general terms, you know, like you look at our society's treatments and solutions for that, uh, suicide hotline, seeing a therapist, seeing a doctor, which are all great, But then you think of someone who has social anxiety and it's like, it's hard enough for the average person who may have a mental health struggle to speak up about it. It's like that times 10,000 worse for people who have social anxiety. And so literally after like going through this whole thing and I was like, oh my God, I was literally gonna kill myself. And it's not because I'm a terrible person. It's not because my morals are wrong. It's not because I'm, I'm this kind of whatever. It's literally just because of, the knowledge, the awareness, the way that my brain was wired, the way that my mind worked for for decades was just fundamentally incompatible with who I I really am. And, you know, I tend to think of this as like when you're born into this world and like, you know, as things are kind of happening for you and you're unconscious, it's very much just the default. You know, you're operating at whatever biological uh, metabolic, your parents, your culture, whatever they are telling you to do. And I think it's only until you really reach some kind of a rock bottom or another traumatic moment where you're like, holy crap, if I keep walking down this road, I'm literally going to become a statistic. Like I'm literally going to gonna die. At least it was for my case. And so that for me was a very <laughs> long answer to your question of what is social anxiety. But, um, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of like the concept in a nutshell. And it's, uh, it's super important. And I think a lot of people in our society just don't really understand the difference between that and being an introvert. And what's that between being quiet and shy and mm-hmm. and it lets a lot of people, unfortunately get hurt because our society sees this as an invisible problem. So,
0: well, first thing I'll say there's, I'm really glad you're not a statistic. Um, and I'm really glad that, you're like, and that's why I said that earlier is you are a voice for these people who don't really have one or feel like they have one or feel like they can be heard if they did speak out. And so, as someone who doesn't even know sometimes how to even speak about these kinds of things and, and mental illness and, and stuff like that, I'm still I'm trying, I try my best to make an effort to have these conversations because it helps me at least be aware. Like I did not even know what you just told me about the substance abuse and suicide because that's got my brain going a whole nother place now, which is during COVID Mm. you're seeing substance abuse. You're seeing suicide skyrocket. And these two things that this is not just a coincidence. It's, it's, it's like, there has to be some kind of way to, fix this and so how? how how do we do that and no pressure because i'm not yeah. asking you to give me the real answer here but you pulled yourself out of this and yeah. you know not to say you're the poster boy for social anxiety and you are you know this i hope so you have all the answers but um you know you you definitely had some catalyzing moments you you know contemplated suicide you uh, you hit rock bottom as you like to say yeah. How the hell did Mark Metry pull himself out of that hole? Yeah, man,
1: it's, it's a good question. And, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, what you said of like, you know, someone like you who, you know, who's, who can barely or what are the words you said, not talk about mental illness. I think the biggest thing is, is understanding, you know, what, what that even is, right? And, you know, when you, like when I say mental health, what does that really mean? You know, for some person in their head, th- that might flash, like, you know, someone who is maybe born with some sort of a neurological disorder. Um, for someone else, that may be like, oh, this someone has like schizophrenia, or they're like psycho or whatever. To me, what a mental illness is, is it is usually decades of your life that you have spent Um, unfortunately doing the wrong lifestyle things that are, that is no fault of your own. And, you know, this perspective comes from someone who I've been able to really learn from. And um, his name is uh, Dr. Daniel Amen. And this guy is like a top neuroscientist. This guy is like Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus's doctor. Uh, He's been able to help them out a lot in terms of that. He actually wrote this book called um, The End of mental illness, which I definitely recommend you should check out. But basically the main premise of what he says and and to answer your question too, of how does someone get out of this is like, you know, people talk about your mind, right? People talk about your mindset, right? Like in the, in the, in the industry that we're in, that's all people talk about your mindset. You got to make sure you have a growth positive mindset, all this stuff. Your mindset of course is important, but when you drill down, you know, what is your mind really? What is your mindset? Where is your mind? Where is your mindset? these things are literally in your brain. You know, your brain is the physical organ that houses the mind, which is very much something that is not really in the physical realm. And so the biggest thing that, that really got me started, and I don't necessarily think this will apply to everybody, but it's taking care of your brain. And what I mean by that is like, you know, people talk all the time about like rewiring their brain, you know, like, um, like, uh, re like, uh, undergoing their beliefs, you know, creating new
0: beliefs Unlearning, the reality- and doing this and learning. Yeah. yeah. The
1: reality is, is that all these things, they're all these brain cells that are in these neuron highways in your brain that make it much, much easier for you to do a habit, to do an action, that you have been doing ever since you were a kid or as a teenager, not because you necessarily want to, but just because it's easier because your brain has already wired it. And so a lot of people ask themselves, how do I wire new connections, right? Like how do I unlearn this stuff? How do I rewire my brain? And you know, what I tell people is like, I mean, listen, dude, if you're, if you're staying up all night, getting like three hours of sleep, bro, your brain is literally going to be so inflamed. It's not even going to have a chance to grow. You know, if you are, if you are, um, you know, sitting down in the corner of your room, sitting inside, like reading books all day, there's only so much that's going to help you. And what I mean by that is like, you need to be able to give your brain the raw resources that it needs for it to create the foundation for you to have a healthy mind. What does that mean? It means making sure that you're outside. You know, like one of the things that Dr. Daniel Amen told me is that across almost all mental health problems, that people have a deficiency in vitamin D and that you get from not being in the sun. And so to make your point of COVID, everyone, you know, people, we're quarantined, some people are still quarantined, I don't know. But a lot of people are sitting inside. That's not good for for your brain. Um, making sure that your brain has the right fats and minerals and nutrients from your diet. That's like one of the biggest things that, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't think a lot enough people in, in self-improvement world talk about. Ultimately, it's all of these raw resources that are gonna be able for you to give your brain and say like, hey, we can actually make new brain cells because you're giving us the right raw resources. And so, you know, a quote that I heard is, if you fix your brain, your mind will follow. And when I look back at my journey, I'm so grateful that a lot of these things that I began to do were kind of like brain habits, because those eventually gave me the foundation to be able to sit inside and read a book and not have complete broken focus and not have motivation and not have broken energy for my brain. That was a dysfunctional organ to then be able to create the foundation in which my mindset is at today. And so biggest thing, like just first step I'll tell people is don't even think about like your mind or your mindset. Of course it's important. I'm not trying to disregard it. It's super important. Look at your brain first, because if you're able to do that, it's going to make it much easier for you to then go out there and start fighting your fears and start reorganizing your beliefs. It really starts from that biological hardware process. And, you know, to tell you, like, I know people who have been on this journey and um, obviously not everyone is the same. And I'm, I'm generally speaking, but I've met a lot of people who have started who are like two, three, four, five years into their journey. And yet, they even say that like they don't have that great of results. And I think a big reason as to why is because they're just focusing on their mind. They're just, um, they're just reading books. They're just listening to podcasts. They're just like reading Instagram quotes. And again, all this stuff is great. I host a podcast. I wrote a book, but you need to take care of your underlying hardware because if you don't have that on the days where things aren't so great, you know, like everyone has them and your mindset is not that, you know, in a great of a place, your brain will be there to support your mind, and and vice versa. And so, that's one of the biggest things. And I would especially say so today, with the amount of, um, you know, modern technology with with COVID and quarantine, with the fact that, you know, you look at things like our food supply, you look at fast food, you look at the billions of dollars that social media, social media, you look at all these different things, and it's like there's a fundamental disconnection between how our brain, how our minds has evolved to set up these health feedback loops. And then what most kids in America today are doing, sitting inside all day on social media, drinking soda, eating random crap, junk food, all that stuff literally destroys your mental health in the long term.
0: Well, a big part of what you just said there, man, is that fixing your brain, you know, like when you say it like that, it might even like that might sound overwhelming to people right away. It's like, ah, but my brain's a problem. Like, like just, just how we've been conditioned to think like, well, my but like, I have a problem with my brain. How do I fix it? Like, so I think that's really powerful advice. Like just being able to take a step back and look at the basics. Let's get the basics right. Get that sleep, get that nutrition, uh, um, get your exercise and a little bit of movement where I think it gets muddy is all all that change can be too much at once for a lot of people. And so, sure. and so like me personally, like when I was going through a, uh, you know, bad time in university, when, you know, like I'm overweight, like I, I went from being this athlete and like, I'm now like, you know, almost 300 pounds, like, like oh, wow. just horrible spot to be in. Uh, it was like what what I had to do to crawl out of that was just one thing at a time. Like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is get, you know, my eating in order a little bit. Like right. I can't be having that pizza or that McDonald's at night. I can't be doing dumb things. Like I can't be do, going for the quick fix all the time. The way we live pretty much, it's, it's kind of like we're all starting from behind and we got to claw our way just to get to like a baseline of, uh, you know in terms of our mental health our physical health spiritual everything it's it's very tough for people and like i don't have the answer for people i don't know what to tell people because i struggle with it myself and you know um as somebody you know i would consider myself somebody who is a high achiever like yourself like trying to do a lot of things it can even be difficult to you know, even if you're somebody who does the meditation, the working out, the journaling, you know, yeah. sitting in the sauna, cold showers, everything, like whatever, everything. all the things, right? It can still be tough to take time to just check in with yourself. And so of one thing I will say, and like not to say that I'm any kind of like, you know, um leader in this space or anything, but... You know, I was even feeling some anxiety today. Like I had a million things going on. I remembered we had this podcast and I'm like, man, I got basically 10 minutes before this podcast and my last call. Then I got another call after this. What do I need to do right now? And so I literally just walked outside, left my phone, and just went for a 10-minute walk. And Hmm. that does not sound like a lot. It's not like I wouldn't consider that exercise by any means. But on days like this, that 10 minutes might have just saved me from like, not being who I'm supposed to be, you know, just because we yeah. put so much on our plate. So kind of like the yeah. last note there on the whole self-development thing is what do, What do you really do? What, like what do you do with your like crazy schedule and all these things that you're doing to keep yourself grounded?
1: Yeah. You know, to, you know, to note what you said on, on, you know, if you're, if you're meditating, you're doing all these things, um, and you know it's still is difficult you're still stressed out you know the reality is is that i think one of the most common uh like myths or false assumptions of self-development is that like once you start eating healthy once you start like drinking green shakes once you start meditating once you start journaling doing all this stuff your problems are going to go away. And, um, and the reality is, is that, um, I mean, if you look at the mind, the mind is literally a, a problem creator slash solver. And problems are a part of your life forever. And to reach, like, to have some false narrative of your head of like, hey, once I meditate enough or, or once I eat healthy enough, then, like, all my fear and all my anxiety is going to go away – That's just like, uh, that's like a false trap. You know, that's the same thing as people saying like, Oh, when I get this job, I'll be happy. People are like doing the opposite of that. And so that's literally so important to, to, to have. And like, dude, the reality is, is that if at any time in your life, you're not afraid, you're screwed. Fear is such a part of life that a lot of us try to demonize. You know, a lot of us say like, Oh, you know, it's either fear or love." No, I I don't believe in that. And the reason why is because fear is literally this biological navigation system for your mind, for your body. Where it becomes troubling is when fear is dominating and controlling the system, right? So when I had really severe social anxiety, you know, deep down I'm an extremely social, lovable person, but the fear had such a grip on my brain that it literally did not let me speak. However, now, you know, for example, when I am about to do some speaking, I'm about to do a podcast, there's definitely a part of me that still fe- feels this sense of fear, feels this sense of elevated energy, this sense of anxiety. And the reality is, is, that's what makes me a good podcaster. That's what makes me a good author. That's what makes me a good leader. And so it's looking at it from the perspective of, not how do i get rid of it because because if i am afraid then that means i'm not i'm you know i'm not doing my job which is totally wrong but it's being able to manage it so that how do I make sure I don't like have a panic attack every time I'm about to do something, you know? I think that's and so there's a really, there
0: are- really, really powerful thing that you said right there is managing the fear. It's not like you're just sweeping it under the rug and it doesn't exist and I'm not going to acknowledge it. It's like, yeah, it's there. That's actually going to make me better. If I didn't have this, I'm probably not doing something that's pushing me out of my comfort zone to begin with. So that's a whole different thing, but it's like, that fear in a weird way should drive you. But yeah, sorry to interrupt, man. That was just, I love that little tidbit.
1: Yeah, of course, man. And, um, and I mean, listen, dude, I, on my podcast, I've been able to speak with, you know, some of the, the greatest leaders and like 98% of them have, you know, told me that they get anxious sometimes told me that they are in fear, like literally everyone. And so um, you know, when we create this false perception of like trying to demonize fear, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like all these, all these sayings of like, um, all these sayings of like, uh, all these say, I'm sorry, all these sayings of like, it's, it's either fear or love. The reality is is like, you fear something because you love it. And if you didn't love it, then you wouldn't care about it to even get afraid. And so that's like, that's a major part of it. So then it actually comes down to like, okay, how do you actually manage this fear, right? A lot of it comes down to, you know, de-escalating the situation in your mind from like, oh my God, like I'm about to die. These people are gonna, you know, hate me, for example, for someone who has social anxiety. It's, it's being able to ask yourself the right questions of like, um, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why is this happening? And then what do I do about it? And then the other part of it has to do with your biochemistry, And so, you know, you had mentioned to me this before, but you mentioned, uh, the gut microbiome and, you know, just for people like that don't know, uh, I think like very recently in terms of like science and, and health and, uh, like most doctors don't even know about this, but, um, there is this vast ecosystem of trillions of bacteria that's in between your stomach and intestines called the gut microbiome. And people uh, much smarter than me have said that this is like the second brain that we have. And the reason why they say that is because at about 10, 15 years ago, um, most of the scientific community assumed that, you know, when you look at someone's brain, you look at all these brain cells, all these Um, synapses firing, you know, that highway that we talked about that makes it easier for you to do bad habits. A lot of that is being regulated through your neurotransmitters. And there are many different kinds of neurotransmitters throughout your body and your brain. And like dopamine is a very common one, oxytocin. Um, The one that I have really looked at is called serotonin. And serotonin, you know, like, simon sinek talks about it Mm -hmm. to people in the mental health community too serotonin does a lot of different things it regulates your mood it regulates your appetite it regulates your sexual desire your sleep and like in my book i take an extreme close-up of it because um it's extremely relevant for social anxiety because serotonin actually controls your behavior in social groups and hierarchies and so It's an extremely, extremely important neurotransmitter. In the last 10, 15 years of science, they have identified that most of them aren't even in your brain. 90 to 95% of serotonin is in your gut microbiome. This has led um, what Harvard calls nutritional psychiatry to be created. This is something that has existed for thousands of years That ancient cultures and societies have always done, but it's using food to heal your body and, and your mind. And this literally happens now because, you know, we've been able to to look at it with modern technology and we're like, wow, these serotonin receptors that are responsible for someone's mood and how they behave, literally most of those are in their gut. And like when you eat something, you know, you chew it, your your oral uh, organs kind of process it first then it goes down to your body. And then what happens is your gut microbiome actually eats whatever the food that you just ate, and then it passes it off to your body and your stomach to digest. And so your gut microbiome is a major, major process of how all your food, all your drinks that you drink or eat uh, get processed. And so they have shown that if you have a dysfunctional gut microbiome, which is usually due to a few reasons. One is chronic stress. And one of the biggest causes of this is psychological trauma, which means, you know, from the time that you experienced a traumatic event uh, from a kid to where you are today, your nervous system is being improperly regulated because your brain and your mind are trying to figure out how do we learn, how do we grow past this trauma so that we apply the lessons into our lives. However, a lot of us, are in environments that don't really prioritize growth, where we weren't really taught a lot of these healing and different coping mechanisms. So then we just go through life and it's like we're in the system that's just constantly breaking down, breaking down. And so you know, to answer your question or just talk about how do you manage fear, if your serotonin levels are off due to the food that you're eating dude, it does not matter how many books that you've read on how to manage fear. Like that, that's just the truth of it. You know, like yeah. people talk about consciousness. People talk about like your perspective. Well, guess what? Your gut microbiome actually has a bacterial consciousness where these yeah. low level organisms are doing what they think they need to do to survive. And if you look at that down, you know, I, am um, I've interviewed the, um, the founder of, I don't know if you've heard of it, of Bulletproof, like Bulletproof Coffee. Coffee? Yeah. Um, yeah, twice. And, um, and, and he kind of wrote a book that goes deep into this. But basically, he says that when your gut microbiome, when your bacterial consciousness is in distress due to multiple reasons, there are three Fs that it goes to. One of them is F for fight. And so if someone is having gut microbiome, uh, conflictions and it's affecting their entire body, they're much, much, much more prone to be an angry person and to even be violent towards people, which you never really think of in terms of your food and your gut. And like, they've done a study, for example, that shows, um, they took prisoners that were in a prison and they gave one half of the prisoners, uh, the same food they always ate. And they gave the other half of the prisoners much healthier diets They give them multivitamins. Uh, They let them stay extra outside. I believe there was a 65% decrease in violence between the two groups. And so that's one example. So literally, if you are um, suffering from your gut microbiome, the first thing your gut is going to do is it's going to try to fight. That could be physically or mentally in terms of the people around you. The second thing is fear. Your gut microbiome is going to get extremely anxiety provoking. And that's why you see a lot of people who have anxiety also have gastrointestinal issues as well. And I remember as a kid, constantly going to the stomach doctor again and again and again. And they're like, oh, we have have no idea what's wrong with you. We did all these tests, but nothing comes up. That's because mind-body connection. My gut microbiome feels those butterflies in your stomach. And that sends a signal up to your brain using the vagus nerve. The last one of the F's is uh, F for (laughs) uh, like sex, you know? And so what happens is people who have low serotonin because their gut microbiome is dysfunctional, they don't really know how to regulate their sexual desire And, and whether they're they have no libido, they don't want to do it at all, or they want to do it all the time forever. And so when you look at those, those are really the ways that your gut expresses its dysfunction. And, you know, in my book, I talk about many studies that highlight, you know, if you are eating a a Western diet, and you already have a lot of chronic stress in your life, man, that is that is a highway to have mental health problems. And so if people want to get like a good understanding of fear, there's many different ways to look about it, but I would definitely tell them to look at the biochemistry, look at what's happening with your neurotransmitters, which is largely connected back to your gut, which is largely connected back to your level of stress and your diet.
0: That was an incredible explanation, man. I loved that so much. And I think so many people are going to hear that and, gain so much value from that because you know it's become a little bit more known that the gut microbiome has something to do with it but no one like not too many people go and actually try to research the mechanism so you know the three f's very interesting um like kind of wrapping up that you know that kind of portion of this discussion um Mm -hmm what is healthy food? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's such a good question. Everybody has their own take on that. And it's almost such a personal thing. You can't have one cookie cutter solution. One person goes keto. One person does intermittent fasting. Another person eats high carb. Another person's like, it's so like, what is right? And so I'm not expecting you to give me that answer, but it's just like, you know, yeah people are confused and then on top of that there's too much information so i think it just leads to further inaction and further uh effort like i am not gonna do anything because there's just i'd rather grab the one dollar mcdonald's burger it's gonna keep me full for a bit it's cheap and you know my kids will shut up you know that kind of stuff so you know, I feel like it comes back to I feel like the cards are stacked against us. It is like you it's got to be a concerted effort to go out of your way and learn what is healthy for your body and what, how can you optimize that?
1: Yeah, of course. And um, and I, I think for people, it's, you know, it's one understanding the importance of what I just said. Right. So I know for me, like growing up, man, I was eating like cookies and cake for breakfast and cereals and all this crap that is so unhealthy. And that's because I was never taught anything about food. You know, I was just taught that, hey, you just you just eat food when you're hungry, so you can stop being hungry. And then if you eat too much, then you'll be fat and you'll gain weight, and then nobody will like you. That's really what I was taught, and that is just yeah. And that is such
0: a most people go to the gym not because they know about you know what you know, ripping the muscles is doing and the connection to, you know, dopamine and all these different things. Right. right? And endorphins. It's like, no, man, I just want to look good naked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And that's because, you know, people, people are, people are always going to be motivated by, you know, egoic desires, whether that's, um, you know, vanity or, um, you know, jealousy or trying to prove people wrong, you know, there's, there's always going to be some level of that that exists in every area of life. But I think you know, to go back to what I was saying, I think one is just like understanding that that is such a simple and shallow view of looking at the world and food that in turn is going to hurt you in the long run and your family too. And Absolutely. so when it, I, love, I love the question that you asked is like, what is healthy food? Because yeah, man, because literally, you know, you think about this, right? like companies and and startups, they think about like, you know, what is the market cap of this, right? Well, it's like every human being on earth has a body and has a brain. And so you're going to get literally trillions of dollars of investments from corporations, from startups that are trying to capitalize on this. Right. And that's, that's business. That's entrepreneurship. That's why whenever you Google something, you're going to have 10,000 different results that are going to say, you know, do t- do this detox do- take this supplement do keto go vegan intermittent fasting eat six times a day there's all this different stuff and so some fundamentals that i have personally learned that i believe are universal for everyone is that number one there is no such thing as a universal diet it just doesn't exist not everyone should do keto not everyone should do uh, high carb not everyone should go vegan all these different things However, the one universal of our diet, the one true like fad diet, is the diet that we have picked up for the last seventy five years of our society becoming much more industrial, creating these um, modern cities that require a ton of food supply to feed its population that 's how you get that's how you got junk food that's how you got the sort of instant breakfast culture at least in america i'm sure it's also in canada to some degree and you know really i think the biggest part to understand about that is that depending on what you depending on your journey on what you've been through your gut will tolerate different things and not however the one universal is if you are at a grocery store and you are looking at a box of something and you flip over and you look at the ingredients, if you don't recognize that ingredient, neither will your body. And what I mean to say is the one true fat diet are artificial chemicals, substances, preservatives, which are largely in every single kind of industrialized packaged food. And so like, if you are trying to buy something and you know, you flip it over and it's like, okay, this thing has bananas, I don't know, pears, oats, cinnamon salt okay that's totally fine but then when you start to get in the area of like evaporated (laughs) corn syrup um uh yellow six red 40 uh hydro dioxide all this stuff you know a lot of people think that they don't recognize those because they're not like a nutritionist the reality is is that Nobody should be able to recognize those because these are cheap artificial filler ingredients from companies to make their products cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then there are, there's also a lot of companies out there who are just, you know, slapping the word
0: not organic,
1: true. organic and vegan, yeah. even though it's completely unhealthy. You no, know, just because something is vegan does not mean <laughs> it's healthy at all. And so yeah. that that's the biggest thing that I would look at. And then the second part too is. You know, listen. It's it's 2020. We have amazing technology yeah. um, in front of us, and and believe it or not, the reason why I know so much about the gum microbiome is because um, one of my mentors, his name is Naveen Jain. Um, this guy is like a this guy is like a, he's literally a billionaire philanthropist. He has a space company, and um, he's been on my podcast twice. We're actually going to do a live stream tomorrow. On oh, Lincoln. nice. But he started this company called Viome. And how he started it was, you know, because of his you know, mad connections like with the government and whatnot, he was able to take this technology that was invented for the military that was originally created in case of a, like a bioterrorist threat where there's a biochemical agent that's released inside of a city and they need to find out exactly who's sick so they can quarantine them. And so he took that technology and he was like, I wonder if we could take that and make it look inside of the human body in the most complicated system that nobody even knows how to understand yet with artificial intelligence. And so,
0: um,
1: you know, you know, I don't know about you, but there are so many, um, like gut microbiome food testing companies. I don't know if you've heard of them. I know the biggest one just got shut down by the government because it turns out they were totally fraudulent. And so his company is the only company that I actually know of that actually has a real legitimate technology to look at. What is all, what are all the bacteria in your body doing? What are the mitochondria in your cells doing? Because people don't actually know mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. That's actually a, a form of ancient bacteria that is inside of our human cell that mm-hmm. actually controls our energy, which is why when people have got microbiome issues, they have mental health issues. And a lot of that is related to the amount of energy that their brain and body has. And that's because your gut tells what your mitochondria do in every single cell in your body of how much energy you have. That's why, you know, people get really overwhelmed when it comes to like, okay, you shut off the podcast, you, you, you close the book, you know, what do you actually do? You know, and people lose right. that energy. And so um, if people actually want to get tested on that, people can look it up. It's called Viome, V-I-O-M-E. Nice. And uh, and I'm not affiliated with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I was, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, people, people can get tested through there. I- I've done it. Everyone in my family has done it. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it, I'd it love just, to
0: do that. Yeah.
1: Dude, you should totally do it, man. Yeah. And, um, it, it's truly like one of, it's like truly like one of those things that ha- can bring you like the most highest, like ROI in your life yeah. for like doing a simple thing. Like you, um, you, uh, you, it's a stool test. Mm-hmm. So like, um, they, they test your crap uh, and, and you send it back to them and they also do like a blood sample. Okay. And then it literally tells you like, Hey, this is the amount of inflammation in your body. Whoa. This is, this is why it's happening. You know, like for me, for example, you know, like, it gives you literally gives you a list of what foods you should be eating and which foods you shouldn't be eating so for Whoa. example like so for example like um you know it um so for me you, you should know, get these best to
0: sponsor your podcast.
1: Dude, seriously, I I'm, I'm talking to him tomorrow, but uh, but no, I mean I, again, I'm not trying to like shove a product or service down anyone's throat. Oh, I just I'm think just-
0: I we've all been looking for something like that. Everyone wants to know. I think there's a lot of companies out there that do like blood testing and they could tell you like your vitamin levels and stuff, but no one goes that deep. Like that's really cool, man.
1: Yeah, man, and and you know, even better yet, like when Naveen was first form- was first forming this company, he had um the head of uh, IBM's artificial intelligence department come and work for Viome to be able to take all these insights and actually be able to comprise it in a way that humans would never be able to take these many data points. So uh, so yeah, that's like a surefire way to like exactly find out what is good for you. What's not good for you. And like, for example, for me, the foods that I found out I shouldn't be eating, um, tomatoes, uh, almonds, oats, things like that, that are healthy. Right. And so um, that's really like the nuance of where it comes to it. So yeah. So if you want to get hyper specific, check out Viome, but you know, if you can't do that or you can't afford it or whatever, just like trying to avoid artificial things, whether they come in boxes or bags, just trying to stick to a, a whole food diet of things that have been growing in the ground, have been walking around the ground, have been swimming that is a a good way to at least like set yourself back to zero. But I mean, you look at all these things that are in our food supply now from sugar to like all these industrialized oils, like canola oil and all this stuff literally destroys your immune system, literally destroys um, your mental health in the long term. And like, just as an example, you know, you see the impact of something like COVID, like a virus can have. And that's why so many people are, you know experiencing so many different kinds of symptoms with covid because it's this virus that goes inside of your gut microbiome and depending on the person it will shut down different systems and so for example like that's why america on top of many other things <laughs> that we won't get into that's one of the major reasons why america is is suffering from covid the amount of people that we have today that have compromised immune systems because their gut microbiome is dysfunctional is a major reason as to why some people are getting sick and some people are able to still be healthy and not even get it. So it's super interesting, man.
0: I love this topic, man. I feel like we could sit here for hours and just talk about this alone, but we are kind of running out of time, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I had a lot I wanted to chat with you about. Uh something that, you know, you are very well known for and you've brought it up a few times is your podcast. You've interviewed, you know, hundreds of some of the world's most successful and renowned um, experts, athletes, CEOs, like just people who are at the top of their game. And, you know, it inspires me a lot personally because, you know, with my podcast, I, I, am very much trying to do similar, uh, you know, kind of things, but the way you've been able to do it at such a high level and coming from your background of having social anxiety having these issues and overcoming that and then starting the podcast dude what made you want to start it and like like i don't know a better way to say this but have the balls to just go for it
1: yeah um you know i i started my podcast in in 2017 and it was really a time where you know, like around 2015, I was kind of like in my dark spot in my life. And, um, you know, like a little bit after that, like in 2016, that's where like, I was really getting my life together. And I was kind of on this growth journey. And, you know, I was on this journey for basically like a a year, a little over a year. And, um, you know, still was running into a lot of problems, (laughs) just like, you know, just like everyone. And, you know, what I found is, When you go to a new level, when you grow, when you develop into a new level, there are also new problems that come with that, that you may have never been exposed to. And so I was just facing all kinds of problems. And I was like, dude, I literally don't have the answers. Like I'm Googling this stuff and I can't really find it. And so, you know, one thing that I had learned from, you know, just in general in life is that one of the greatest ways to learn anything is to speak to someone who you know, is actually doing it, not some. And again, I, uh, I know a lot of smart professors, I don't mean to generalize this, but not like some college professor who did something 20 years ago, and then is just re saying the same stuff again, but people who are actually out there today, researching, studying, applying, actually doing it, not someone that just, you know, writes about it on the internet, but someone who's actually doing it. And so I was like, you know, how am I going to surround myself with these people that are going to potentially help me with all these different problems, whether it's like, I don't really know how to meditate or, you know, how do I find out the right healthy food or how do I grow my business or how do I get better at branding and authenticity and leadership? And so literally for me, the podcast became like my own education system where I personally feel like, um, I definitely failed the education system and the education system definitely failed me. And so I was like, I'm literally going to start my own. And that's what it became. And it literally became like these patterns of weeks and months and years of literally just being like, okay, I'm into meditation. Let me reach out to the top 10 meditation experts and understand how do I meditate better so I can become a better person mm-hmm. for myself and the people around me. Um, and so like, that. that's literally what it became. And it literally just became me just going and going for it, and um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of the balls of having to do it, I mean, dude, it's uh, it, it's all through evolutions, and um, like I, <laughs> I, I have memories of like think like the first year of starting the podcast where, like, I literally remember my first episode, uh, <laughs> literally like literally in the same place I'm living now, but downstairs where I literally put up like this. I like wore like this fancy button up t-shirt, but I was wearing like sweatpants below it. And like, I had literally stayed up the entire night, like taking notes, like saying exactly this question, exactly that question. I'm not going to mess it up. Oh yeah. And and then doing it and then literally just sweating balls out of my armpits and and, like being (laughs) so nervous and not even forgetting what I was going to say. And then even past that too, like once I was like a hundred episodes in, you know, still having moments and days where I was like, Damn it, I have a podcast episode interview scheduled in like 30 minutes, but I really don't feel like talking to anybody right now. And um and you know, that taught that process has taught me a, a lot. And
0: yep. and
1: um and well, yeah, I man. mean to me it's just like it, it's like a system that I've been able to use to, you know, not only grow my my own self development, but then also as I've been able to, you know, be a part of different organizations and, and movements and businesses that I'm a part of, you know, I've also been, you know, using my podcast to, you know, point that towards what I'm passionate about too. So exactly.
0: for me it's really just become a, a vehicle for doing what I want to do. in life. Man, that's exactly what it is. And man, I, I, I could sit here and just talk about this for hours because that it, it's yeah. exactly my sentiment. is like, this is my way of learning. By sitting and talking with you, I learn more than any university lecture, any any textbook, any book. Like I'm sitting and I'm downloading your knowledge and it's never been easier to do that, to just reach out and be able to do that to people and, and you know, for people as well, because people are, are going to get something out of this as well. And to me, a big part of it was documenting my journey, uh, you know, mm. I look back at my first episode I just hit one year a couple weeks ago and so I look back like man like you know I I was able to do about like 45 or like uh, close to 50 episodes this year you know what I'm pretty proud of that like that's actually pretty cool because there are some days that like like you said absolutely just overwhelmed there's just too much to do you gotta you know Schedule, record it, put it out, promote it, this, that, you know, chop up clips and a million different things. And it's just like, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. On top of my job, I just started my company too. So that's taking up all nice. my time. Like, you know, it's, 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 it is tough, but like, it's 10,000 times more fruitful. And it's so worth it because I'm able to have conversations with people like yourself I'm able to grow my network quite frankly like it's a great networking tool yeah and that was kind of another thing that I wanted to talk to you about as well like you know we were talking about a little bit before the show but LinkedIn and the power of that you have another you have a course now and you know yes. we'll we'll get into that a little bit but kind of like a, one last thing I kind of want to talk to you about the podcast is like you know how do you reach out to these billionaires? How do you reach out to these top CEOs, athletes? What advice do you have to give like podcasters out there like me who want to do that as well?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm extreme, obviously there's, there's always levels to it, but, um, you know, I'm extremely grateful that, you know, I, I can reach out to a lot of people, um, and have them say yes without a problem. However, there's always levels to it, but um you know, I think the biggest thing is that one is you know, no one's going to come on your podcast if they if they don't want to talk. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, especially really successful people, they have learned the art of talking when they want to. And what I mean by that is like a lot of people have different seasons throughout the year, for example. Like as in You know, if if you hit me up to go on your podcast in like November or December or January or February, I probably would have told you like, no, because I was working on my book and I was really doing a lot of different things. However, you hit me up as the book is like coming out or like during that marketing phase been like, dude, absolutely 100%. Yes, let's do it. So the biggest thing is looking at when people have something to say whether it's, they came out with a book, whether it's they're trying to like promote awareness about this specific topic or the specific thing, but it's looking at like, what is this person trying, like what is this person trying to get out of my podcast and how can I help them do that as much as possible, right? Like I've, for example, like I've been able to, you know, connect with a lot of great people and have them on my podcast, for example, And, you know, I don't have the biggest podcast in the world. There are so many more podcasts that are way, way bigger than me. However, you know, they are, they're also an entrepreneur and they're trying to sell to business people and and entrepreneurs and maybe coaches or or, or salespeople. And I have a pretty big LinkedIn following, you know, where not a lot of people really, you know, dude, LinkedIn is not at the level where, Uh, like Instagram is at where you have a ton of people that have millions and millions of followers. And so if you have like close to a hundred thousand, it's basically like the same thing as having a million on Instagram. And so people who are trying to reach that audience, being able to, um, you know, leverage your different platforms and just being able to provide that person value. Um, You know, I remember I got, um, I remember like one of my first big guests that I got uh, Seth Godin um, I remember he came on my podcast because I had interviewed like four of his other friends um, and I had kind of like sent them an email and I was like, Hey Seth, you know, I interviewed this person, that person, this person. And then also I, you know, I've read Seth Godin's books and I l- listened to his podcast Legend. and I know, he, yeah. And I know he's really big on authenticity. And so I told him like, you know, Hey man, like, listen, I'm, I, and I was 21 at the time <laughs> and I was like, Hey man, listen, I'm, I'm some 21 year old. You know, here's like a little bit about my story. You know, I'm not going to like try to use you to like, you know, like put your name in front of like some course that I'm selling or something like that. Cause there's a lot of people that do, you know, shady things like that. And, and that's also really important too, to like tell that person your intentions, intentions. you know? So, and, and like, especially as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, Man, more and more and more people are just trying to use your name to give themselves credibility. And so that's the biggest thing that, that people look out for. And, um, you know, like, for example, when I was on like my podcast, when I was on my podcast kind of tour, when my book came out, I went on so many podcasts. I went on a, a podcast that I regret going on, that just has some people that I'm not a fan of, that right. share some ideas that isn't really ethical, and so you know that was a mistake on my part, and I learned a lot. But that's a big thing that a lot of people go through, and, and that's like a main concern of like what is their intention, and then how can they, I guess, prove that to me? You know, give me some kind of you know proof, not just like randomly emailing you a sentence out of good goodwill. Yeah. And so that those are like the, the biggest things that I kind of would say. Um,
0: I, I think the the most important thing you said there is really putting yourself in their shoes. Really, it's like look like this is a person who they've built whatever they've built on putting their name out there in the right way and it does it it, it is still very much media even though it's very open we don't have like ads we don't have this and that and like every, every someone's telling me what to say and i got three producers behind this zoom video <laughs> crazy production i know uh but you know it's 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 really just putting yourself in their shoes. I think that's like a really great thing that you've said right there. Um, and then like kind of the last thing on the podcast there is like, what are some of your tips to grow your podcast? Not just, you know, not just in terms of guests, but in terms of listenership and connecting with your audience. Cause clearly you've done a really good job with that.
1: Yeah, man. I would say for the sake of time, I would say two things. One are, your listeners are going to be your biggest marketers. Mm -hmm. And so when you really look at marketing, the best form of marketing is word of mouth. And that's a friend telling a friend that dude, I just listened to this crazy podcast, bro. You, you gotta listen to this. I'll send you a link. That's the number one way people listen to podcasts usually. And so, yeah, like if you're a terrible host, if you don't have a personality, if you're trying to cookie cutter, all the other podcasts out there, if you're not being real, if you're not being truthful, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one, one is doing that and then also trying to reinforce that, trying to incentivize that behavior. Right. Um, and then probably the other major thing that I would say is LinkedIn, man. Like, <laughs> like dude, like literally what I would say to someone is like, if you have a podcast, or you're trying to grow anything in like this sort of business entrepreneurial world mm-hmm. literally go to my LinkedIn profile and just look at what I'm doing. Look at the kinds of posts. Um, look at how I've structured things and just like start copying me in your own way mm-hmm. and stick it out, be consistent and you'll be successful. Obviously if you want to, you know, learn more, definitely take my course. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is something that I would not sleep on. And and a lot of people just think it's like some college student, like get a job. Nah, like a man. glorified
0: like a, resume. Now it's changed yeah. a lot, man. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And, uh, you know, I know we are kind of running out of time there. There's a million things I want to talk to you about. We can sit here, and talk entrepreneurship, self-development, all these things. Uh, but kind of just what, like, like talk about your book and what are some of the next steps for you? Uh, then I'm just going to do a couple lightning round questions and, and we're, we're done.
1: Yeah. Um, what I would say is, um, what I would say one is trying to, I mean, you know, the book's all about social anxiety. It's all about how do how do you, how do you actually be authentic inside out? Um, and then what I'm working on next, I'm, I'm actually working on, um, creating a podcast network actually. Nice. It's called a uh, growth podcast where, um, we're going to host a ton of podcasts that are all, self-improvement, you know, how do you grow human consciousness? Uh, so that's one. And then that's also going to be a training slash consultancy for people who want to start their own podcasts or corporations who are looking to get in the game. Um, I'm currently in the middle of starting this, uh, this, this nonprofit organization with a lot of other awesome people called For Purpose that's basically trying to uh, change our cultural perspective on how we look at donating and philanthropy. Um, and, um, yeah, man, I mean, I'm just trying to be a happy person. I'm trying to like enjoy my family. Um, trying to, you know, do all the things that I got to do myself. Um, and just ask myself, you know, like, how can I be of more service? How can I like really scale myself out? Like the last four or five years have really taught me that, um, you know, what I've been able to do is awesome, but you know, I'm only one person. And so it's trying to scale out myself. So that's been definitely quite a challenge for sure.
0: A hundred percent, man. And I'm learning a lot of the similar lessons right now myself with, you know, starting my own, uh, like, you know, digital media agency and, and helping people with, you know, the podcasting as well. And the podcast network idea, that's amazing, man. Because like I've thought of something similar myself is like, there's so many people with great podcasts and like, why not bring them together and like make that easier for people to consume. So I love that, man. Um, you also got your TV show. I mean, just a million things going on, man. (laughs) I want (laughs) to, Let, let's wrap this up, man. I'm just going to have to do a whole another podcast with you if that's okay. Round two in person. Yeah. We'll do a round two in person. I'll come down to Boston and, uh, it'll be, it'll be a great episode. I'll leave the whole episode with one last question. Um, how do you want to be remembered?
1: How do I want to be remembered? Um, interesting question, an interesting question. um, You know, personally for me, I am, you know, when I study leaders, you often find that people who actually did something worthy, they were almost always hated by the society, by the culture at the time when they're alive, right? So like you literally look at anyone. Yep. I don't know G- Jesus Christ, like Martin Luther King. They were literally all hit at the time of their life, and so for me, I'm trying to think like, not necessarily how do I be like now because I don't really care about that because I know like even if I do the like the best thing in the world, people are still gonna hate me. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm I'm more thinking like, how can I create a real lasting um, like impact and uh, and you know something that a, a mentor of mine told me who uh, is originally from Iraq. He told me that they have this saying and it's, um, it, it's in their language, but I, I'm going to say it in English and it's like, our actions are going to be here seven generations down the road from us. Wow. And so for me, I'm trying to think like Whoa. seven generations from now, what like actual systemic, change can i have that it's going to be here way past my lit like my breathing body my essence but eventually throughout the course of my life how can i take my essence and the essence of humanity and put those into systems in our society that are going to be here long
0: after we're dead damn that's deep but this podcast is not that deep. We went oh. deep today, bro. I love it. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your time, man. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Uh, next time, it'll be in person. And let's stay in touch, man. I, I love your hustle. I love your grind. You inspire the hell out of me. And you're going to change the world for seven more generations. Thanks oh. you a lot, guys. Just remember, it's not that deep.